following message from Pastor Kit Johnson comes to you from Life Point Baptist Church in Apple Valley, California, where we pray that God's Word is a real blessing to you. We can turn your Bibles to 1 Peter 3. Of course, um, on Mother's Day, we, I preached from 1 Peter 3, verses 3 and 4 uh, about godly femininity. And uh, so for Father's Day, uh, I'd like to look at Peter's instructions in the same passage uh, for husbands. And, for, and really, uh, of course, this passage is directed very directly to, to husbands, but uh, there's a lot of application here for all guys. And uh, as well, I think a lot that the ladies in the room and especially the mothers can benefit from as we raise our kids. And so uh, for, we'll be in verse 7, but for the sake of context, I just want to go ahead and read uh, verses 1 through 7. God says, in the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives, as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair and wearing gold jewelry or putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way, in former times, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. Just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you have become her children, if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with someone weaker, since she is a woman." And show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. It's no secret uh, that, that our society is increasingly confused about what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman. And, and that's because uh, the, the, the revolutionaries for, for decades now have been pushing to, to eliminate as many distinctions as possible between men and women. And so... They want to eliminate dress distinctions at times and, and try and, uh, you know, not to get away from a distinctly manly dress and a, and a womanly dress. They want to get rid of all distinctions in the workplace. You know, so that even when it really is not practical because of the obvious physical differences between men and women, they, they want to put women in combat, make women firefighters, and, and put them in all sorts of different places. And, and so, on the one hand, we, we live in a culture which is trying to pretend as if there are no differences between men and women. But on the other hand, we live in a culture where, where, where people flaunt their sexuality like, like never before, at least in our society's history. And so women are taught to assert your power by demanding sexual attention. And, and everyone should pursue whatever sexual fantasy they desire. So the confusion abounds. But this morning, I I particularly want to consider how all of that has left men very confused about how they should view themselves, how they should view women, and how they should treat them. And so fewer and fewer men, I think we see this, honor women as they should. Instead, a lot of guys are more and more just acting like junior hires around women all the time. And uh, they don't know to protect them. They're, they're not motivated to provide for them. 
There's so much of the gentlemanly etiquette that used to be expected and normal. Boys don't even know what that is or how to live that way. And so instead, more and more young men have bought into a very highly sexualized view of women. And they see girls as little more than beautiful scenery or a challenge for them to conquer. And as a result, sexual abuse is skyrocketing in our culture. Women are suffering and more and more men have no idea how to lead a relationship or a marriage in a way that honors the Lord and is going to lead to, to, to fruitfulness. It's a mess. And so we desperately need the instructions of 1 Peter 3.7. So, so this verse calls all men, but especially husbands, back to God's true and good perspective on their wives and how they ought to treat them. And I trust that the Lord will use His Word to to just realign our thinking with what God says is true and what God says is good, and that we will then leave motivated to act on it. And so there's three pretty clear sections to this verse, which I'm going to break down into three commands. And so the first challenge for us as men is to compensate for her weakness. Compensate for her weakness. So again, verse 7 says, You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with someone weaker, since she is a woman. Now, now do notice that the verse begins by saying, in the same way. And, and I just want to note that, that some people out there are going to claim that what Peter means by that is that husbands need to submit to their wives in the same way that he just told wives to submit to their husbands. But that can't be what he means. Because he never actually says that. And if that's what he means then he's contradicting the the clear testimony of the rest of the New Testament. So so instead, he he gives husbands a unique set of commands. He's not telling them that we we treat each other exactly the same because we have different roles. And so it's best to see in the same way as making a loose connection. The idea is that women have responsibilities to their husbands, and in the same way, husbands have responsibilities to their wives. Now, it's worth noting that would have been revolutionary in the world in which Paul lived, or excuse me, Peter lived. Because in the ancient world, uh, women were considered their husband's property. And so if there was a problem in the relationship, it was never the man's fault. There must be something wrong with the woman. Otherwise, the man would be happy. But that's not what God says. He's going to teach here that, that we are equal before God. And so if there's a problem, The man has a responsibility to his wife just as much as she does to him. And and so husbands and wives are both responsible to treat each other well and to cultivate a healthy, productive relationship. So so, so with that in mind, he, he commands husbands, first of all, to compensate for their wives' weakness. And the basis of that command is the fact that the woman is the weaker vessel, right? So he says there in verse 7, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she is a woman. Now, now the question, the big question with this verse is what exactly does he mean when he says that the woman is the weaker vessel? Now, now we might be tempted to think that he means by that that she is mentally or emotionally weaker. But the Bible uh, never says that, and it's clearly not true. For one, Women are clearly just as smart as men. I've been to enough like elementary awards ceremonies and so forth recently to say that, 
that maybe, you know, the girls tend to do a whole lot better than the boys. It's not just intelligence, it's also focus and all those other things. But we can all see very clearly that men are not smarter than women. And it is true that, that women do tend to be more emotional than men. But I don't think it's fair to say that they are emotionally weaker. You just look around our society and see how many women are working hard under difficult circumstances to raise their children on their own while the dad is off somewhere doing and totally being irresponsible. He's filled with fear and selfishness. And he doesn't have the courage and strength to, to be involved in his kids' lives. So, so the evidence is abundant all around us that, that men are not emotionally stronger. So the primary idea is simply that women are physically weaker than men. Now, in Peter's day, and in most days, no one would question that. But it is something that we need to emphasize in ours. So we want to emphasize that God made men and women with dramatically different bodies, different strengths and weaknesses. Of course, there are exceptions. I mean, there are, you know, you turn on the uh, turn on college sports or the WNBA or the Olympics, there are some incredibly athletic women out there. But as a general rule, God has made men stronger, faster, more athletic than, than women. You know, there's a reason why we have men's and women's sports, but not men's and women's spelling bees. Because there's no need for a, different categories of spelling bees. And you don't have to watch men and women compete side by side in the same sport long to see that the men are kicking the ball farther, they're throwing it further, they're faster, they're quicker, all those things. Now, now our society wants to pretend that those differences don't exist. But the reality is, they are very, very real. And, and so, we must acknowledge that, we must embrace it, and we must say that it is a good thing. And, and we'll talk about that more as we go. But so, so, the woman, so the idea that the woman is weaker is primarily in the sense that she is physically weaker than the man. I think there's also probably a, a secondary sense that, that Peter means that she is also weaker within the structure of the marriage. And that's because that the man is the leader in the home. He has the authority in the family. And so since the husband has that authority, he potentially puts his wife in a vulnerable position if he abuses that authority and uses it selfishly. And of course, again, we could look around and we could see far too many examples of men who, who use their authority in the home to serve themselves rather than to serve their family, and their, and their wives suffer dramatically for it. So, so the man is the stronger one, the woman is the weaker vessel both physically and in the marriage relationship, so, so what does the man do about the fact that his wife is the weaker vessel? Well, Peter commands him here in verse 7, he says, to live with your wives in an understanding way, as with someone weaker. Now, for us guys, that is a scary-sounding command. You're like, understanding? What is that? Well, there's a reason why Peter starts here. Because it's very important, but, but it's an area where most men are not very skilled. But the idea is that a godly husband is compassionate. He is patient. He is listening, he, under, he is understanding, he is thoughtful. From there, he is convictional about his leadership, and he is disciplined about every aspect of his marriage. 
And of course, that understanding here begins with the fact that he is understanding of his wife's physical weakness and her lower position in the marriage. But I think that command of understanding would extend to to any type of compassionate thoughtfulness that a man ought to extend towards his wife. That, that That would help him then better care for her, lead her, and serve her in the relationship. And of course, that kind of thoughtfulness is crucial to any relationship. You know, because sinners, sinners rarely stumble into loving others well, right? We're too self-centered. We're foolish. Our impulse is oftentimes to say the wrong thing and do the wrong thing. So, so if you are going to conduct yourself well in any relationship, then you have to have strong conviction that I want to love like Christ. You have to have a thoughtful plan about how you're going to do that. And then you have to have discipline to follow through. So God says that a godly, caring husband will work to understand his wife's physical limitations. He's going to want to understand her spiritual and emotional strengths and weaknesses, her fears, her concerns, her passions, and her goals. Husbands, do you know those things about your wife? And then he lets that knowledge shape his conduct. So so he intentionally supports her strengths. And he compensates for her weaknesses. And he never uses his strength and his position of authority to take advantage of her. to, To serve his own ends. No, he uses those things to serve her. To bless her. He uses his power compassionately to serve and to build a strong relationship. Now, there are lots and lots of really important applications that we need to make from this command. And so, just first of all, we need to embrace our differences and live accordingly. You know, Peter affirms here that God made two very distinct and yet complementary genders. And again, our world does not like that idea. Our world says, be whatever you want to be and Pretend to be whoever you are not. But, but our, but, but, and, and it calls that oppressive, but, but our good and wise God declares His design good. I mean, it is best for us all what God designed in Genesis 2. It is good that He made us different. It is good that He made us complementary. And, and, so, and so, we need to, if you're going to have a strong marriage, if you're going to live a healthy, productive life, Don't run from God's design. Embrace it and teach it to others and live with the conviction that God's design is good. Another application for men specifically is use your strength to lovingly provide and protect. Use your strength to lovingly provide and protect. Now, I hope it goes without saying, but it is a filthy abuse of power for any man to use his physical strength, or his authority in the marriage to to push his wife around, to intimidate her or abuse her, whether that be physically, emotionally, or sexually. Guys, there is no place for that in the heart of a godly man. And, And the Bible is clear here that God did not give you your strength and He did not give you your authority to serve yourself, but but to protect and care for others. So so men, we need to be servant leaders. We need to work hard. We need to be tough. 
Don't whine and complain about how hard your life is. Do the things that God has called you to do. Find your joy in caring for your wife and caring for others, not in serving yourself. And along those lines, I'd say to the young men, we've got a lot of, a lot of younger guys in this room, a sixth grade and up. And so I want to challenge you to, to right now, you might think, well, I'm not a husband yet, so, so I'm off the hook today. No, you're not. Sorry. You know, you can start right now learning how, how to honor women and care for them. So start building habits. You know, you're 11, 12 years old. You can start opening the door for ladies. Don't ever watch a lady carry something heavy or do work without jumping in and doing something yourself or at least offering to help. Now, how dare we watch someone work hard and do nothing and stand there and pick our noses? You know, build habits today that that honor God's design and reflect the kind of leader that Christ wants you to be because if you develop those habits today, they will serve you well the rest of your life. Now, of course, that side of, of the application, in some sense, appeals to our gruff sense of manliness. Protect, provide, care for. But where this command begins to get a little bit uncomfortable is with the next application, which is invest in understanding your wife. Invest in understanding your wife. Now, frankly, that's a hard one for a lot of us guys. Because we don't enjoy sharing our deepest thoughts or emotions. We want to keep them locked up tightly. And we frankly don't really enjoy listening to other people share theirs. You know, we, we just would like to just avoid that whole emotion thing entirely if we could. We're doers. We're fixers. And so we don't want to sit there and listen to someone, you know, share their heart and bear their burdens. We just want to fix it and get on with life. And Peter knows we have that tendency. And by the way, there are good things about that tendency. And so, but Peter understands that, that men have always struggled to listen compassionately and respond accordingly. I mean, isn't it fascinating that here's a word to men written 2,000 years ago that hits us between the eyes just as well today as it did then. God knows our hearts. And He knows that we struggle here. So He challenges us that if we are going to serve our wives well, we have to learn to listen and to act based on compassionate understanding. So men, do you take intentional steps to cultivate that kind of understanding? Is your wife comfortable sharing her deepest thoughts with you? Are are you giving her that opportunity or is she she fearful that if she opens up, it's going to turn into a mess and nothing's going to go well? Do you know your wife's spiritual struggles? Do you know what she loves? Do you know her fears? And then what are you doing with that knowledge? That brings me to another important application, which is that you must use your knowledge to serve. Use your understanding to serve. Now, now the reality is, you you might think that some of your wife's concerns are strange, right? Like, why is she so scared of a little bug that big? You know, why does she care so much that the curtains match the furniture? But do you mock her concerns, or do you kill the bug? Now, of course, most of her cares are much more significant than that. So do you strive to understand? Do you strive to let her talk and to help bear the burden? Are you sensitive to her emotions? And do you respond to them with patience and grace? Now, I know that that might be way outside your comfort zone. 
but do you love her enough to be uncomfortable? And ultimately, are you willing to obey God? Because this is not just about a healthy marriage. This is about your relationship to the Lord. And God commands you to live with your wife based on understanding. So, so men, God has blessed us with some great privileges. He, he's given us stronger bodies. He's given us the opportunity to go out and, and make a career and to work. He's given us the, the authority in the home. But we have to decide what we will do with that strength. Will we selfishly use it for ourselves? Or will we, like Christ, use it to serve? And, and by the way, you know, whether you're, if, even if you're not married, there, there's, there's so many opportunities, so many places where where, where thou, these principles affect life. So compensate for her weakness. And then the second command that God gives is honor her equality. Compensate for her weakness. Second, honor her equality. Look at what Peter goes on to say. He says, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. So, so Peter has said that there are very real differences between men and women, both physically and in the authority structure of the family. But, but now he clarifies that those differences do not mean that one is better than the other. No, rather, God says we are fellow heirs of the grace of life. Now, the grace of life here is simply a salvation through the gospel. And Peter says that we are recipients of the same grace. God extends the same grace to men that He does to women in Christ. In Galatians 3, verse 28 says that in Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, I do want to be clear that, that, that Paul is not saying in that verse that there are absolutely no differences in the group, in, um, among these groups. Because he can say we are all one in Christ and then he can turn around and say that men are to lead in the home and men are to lead in the church. And so there are differences. But the point is, is that God's grace is without distinction. God loves men and women equally because we are all equally image bearers of God. And Christ's death is equally valuable to all of us. Now, Again, this would be a radical claim in Peter's day. Because in the ancient world, women were considered a man's property. And so he could have as many wives as he wanted. And if one of them was irritating him, he could dump her and get another one or just add one whenever he wanted. But God denies that idea. He says that men and women are equal in God's sight. So, so don't buy the claim of, of so many people out there that complementarianism, the, the idea that God made complementary genders, that, that the idea that that is somehow oppressive and, and somehow demeans women. Yeah, because Peter did not see any contradiction between, saying, between complimenting Sarah in verse 6 for calling Abraham Lord and then turning around in verse 7 and saying that they, we are equal heirs of the grace of God. And we shouldn't see any contradiction either. And different roles do not mean different values. You don't think that way at work, right? No one thinks that the boss is more human than the janitor. They have different roles. And neither should we think of that way in marriage. So we are fellow heirs of the grace of life. 
And therefore, Peter commands husbands to honor women accordingly. Honor women accordingly. And he says there again, he says, honor her as a fellow heir of the grace of life. Now now think for a moment about what it means to honor someone. If you honor someone, you don't treat them as common or ordinary. Instead, you hold them in high regard. And you treat them as special. And that's how God commands men to treat their wives. That that, that they are not second-class citizens. They are equals before God. And they need the respect, the honor that is due them as a result. So so how do we honor her? Well, first, it's just very important for for every man in this room that we absolutely reject the the just sex-centered, sex-obsessed view of women that is so common in our culture. You know, the reality is, is that many men in our day, they, they, view, they view women with little more respect than they do a nice car. It's valuable. They enjoy looking at it. But they only enjoy it, they only value it for the pleasure it brings to themselves. And men, that is absolutely evil. I mean, when you look at a woman solely through the lens of your lust and your selfish interest, you are not honoring her as an equal. You are looking at her with a disgusting sense of selfishness and pride. And God hates that degrading spirit. Whether it's someone you know, whether it's someone you see at the beach, or whether it's someone you see on the internet or in a magazine, it is wicked and it is not giving women the honor that Scripture demands. Now, now I do want to emphasize that the words selfish and degrading are important there because, because God is not saying that, that to the single men in this room, that, that you should not be attracted to women. You should just squelch every sort of attraction. And he's certainly not telling husbands to stop being attracted to their wives. No, physical attraction is part of God's good creation. And it is good as long as it remains in its rightful place. It has to remain in submission to God's commands about purity and holiness and order. And of course, as well, it has to remain in submission to genuine sacrificial love. It's only when we allow attraction to reign over those things, where, our, where, where, we, where that desire reigns over God's commands and that desire reigns over serving sacrificially that it becomes sinful. And guys, if you're tolerating that kind of sin, you need to see it for the evil that it is. Because there is no love no Christian love in lust. And we, we throw that idea of love around a lot of ways in our society, don't we? we? We can talk about loving a steak. You don't love a steak the way you ought to love your wife. At least I hope not. You know, and so love is something very different. And if you're, if you're lusting, you are not respecting her, you are not honoring her, and so put it away. I think this command also confronts the sinful tendency of some men to begin thinking that we are superior to the women around us. You know, it's very easy for a man to begin thinking, well, that because I pay the bills, because I'm stronger and because I have the final say in our home, that, that I'm better than my wife. Now, you might be smart enough not to say that. But a lot of times it shows in the way men conduct themselves in the home. You know, that they spend money because it's my money. I made it. And I'm going to do what I want because, because I'm the man. 
Or, or, or to begin to you know, lord it over and hold it over the wife's head. You know, she goes out and spends some money and you're like, you're spending the money that I made. Because you really think that in some sense you are better than her. Because of your success, because of your authority, because of your power. But Jesus never used His authority or His strength to selfishly serve His own ends and His own purposes. I mean, Jesus used His authority his power to serve those he loved. So men, follow his example. Use your position and gifts to serve your wife and find your joy in her happiness, not in indulging your desires. I think as well, this command should challenge every man in this room to honor our wives and all godly women as precious and valuable. Proverbs 31 verse 10 says, Who can find a virtuous wife for her worth is far above rubies. And so men, we, we all need to cultivate a healthy respect and care for women that honors their dignity and recognizes them as equal recipients of God's grace. And that applies to every man in this room from 10 years old to 95. So, so this verse gives husbands two commands that are significant for all men. We need to compensate for her weakness and honor her equality. And then he concludes the verse with a sobering warning, which I'm going to summarize with a challenge, to understand your accountability to God. Look at how he ends the verse. He gives these two commands, and then he says, so that your prayers will not be hindered. Now that sounds really serious, doesn't it? What does he mean when he says, so that your prayers will not be hindered? Well, we have to remember again that there are two sides to my relationship with God. There's the judicial side and the practical side. So so judicially, once I am saved, once I am in Christ, I forever stand in the righteousness of the Savior. And so when God looks at me judicially, He always sees the righteousness of Christ that never changes, it never waxes or wanes. No matter what I do, I am always in Christ and I am always justified in Him. But the New Testament also commands me to please God. And it warns me about the danger of failing to do so. And that's what Peter does here, right? And those warnings assume that there is also a practical side to my relationship to God that does wax and wane depending on my obedience to God and submission to His will. So so even though my judicial standing with God never changes, my relationship with God My nearness to His grace, my access to His goodness does rise and fall to some extent depending on my obedience to His will. Now, now we shouldn't look at that legalistically, but it's really um, fundamentally about my heart's disposition before God. But He is saying that my obedience to God does affect my relationship to Him. And Peter warns that if a husband mistreats his wife, God is displeased with that man. He is angry at you. And your relationship to God is compromised to the extent that God will not hear your prayers. That's serious, isn't it? That's very serious. So men, if you are mistreating or neglecting your wife, it's not just that your home is probably suffering. Your relationship with God is suffering. And God, to some extent, will cut you off from His grace. 
And I think it's safe to assume that the same goes for any man who fails to honor the women that God has put in his life. You know, because think about the heart of God. I mean, God is a father to the fatherless. He is a friend of the weak. You know, throughout Scripture, we see consistently that, that God has a special care for those who cannot care for themselves. Jesus ate with sinners and tax collectors and, and had a special place in His heart for reaching out to them. And, and, so, and so He despises those who use power to abuse the weak for selfish gain. And so when a man does that with the authority and the strength and the privilege that God has given him, it angers God. It displeases him. So understand that this verse touches at the very heart of who God is. You know, guys, this verse is not just here to help you have a peaceful home, to help you resolve conflict, to make your life more pleasant. No, the instructions that God is giving us in this verse hit at the heart of who He is and of His love and His righteousness. God gives this command because it is right. And this is what He demands of Christian men. And if you reject His command, God will not hear your prayers. That's very sobering. It's very sobering to imagine that you have a need and you are crying out to God to help you solve your problem. And as if there's a wall between you and God. And it's terrifying. It's terrifying if you realize just how dependent we are on God's grace. And yet that's exactly what Peter says will happen if you do not obey God's command. So you must honor your wife as a fellow heir of God's grace. And every man in this room, whether you're married or not, needs to embrace the responsibility to honor and protect the women that God has put in your life as equals before Him. And of course, that's especially true here for, for fellow believers. You know, because, because He talks about us as being fellow heirs of the grace of life. So, so He's especially thinking, of course, here of a Christian wife, but, but I think by extension, all of us should be thinking of all the, the, the women that God has put in our, our church in particular, our sisters in Christ, and understand that God has given us a, a, a responsibility toward them. Now, now, I understand that obeying these commands can be very uncomfortable. Now, maybe you, know, you think of that dwelling with understanding. And I'm sure there's guys in this room who say, you know, I'm just not very good at open conversation. I'm awkward. I'm not very sympathetic. I don't listen well. And so if I try and do this, it's going to be weird for me and weird for her. So let's just pull out our phones and sit in the same couch and ignore each other. You know, maybe your life is very stressful. Your job is stressful. You put in long days. And when you get home at night, you are exhausted. And by the time the, the kids go to bed, there's nothing left for your wife. At least that's what you tell yourself. And so we can think, you know, I, I just got too much on my plate. My wife's going to have to deal with it you know, because i got nothing left to invest in her after everything else that I have to do. You know, maybe you're trapped in a perverted mindset about women and you've bought the world's excuses that, that all men look at pornography. All men are perverts, so it's okay. And so you don't honor women because 
You don't actually see them as image bearers. You see them as an object of your pleasure. But men, it doesn't matter what excuse you may have or, or how legitimate it might feel to you. You know, because we, we can convince ourselves of a lot of nonsense. If you fail to obey this verse, it is sin. You are disobeying God. God is not pleased with you. And when you pray to God, outside of confessing that sin to the Lord, God does not listen to your prayers. So I want to urge you to confess your sin to the Lord and ask for grace to change. Commit. Commit yourself before God to obey His Word. You might need to ask your wife for forgiveness for some of the things that you've done or or just the things that you're not doing. Now talk to her about what needs to change. Now some of you, you know, if your marriage is really in a bad place or maybe you're stuck in some habitual sin pattern, you might need to, to find a counselor or an accountability partner. So, 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 and even if you think you're doing well, you know, ask your wife what she thinks. Because you might sit there and think, yeah, I'm dwelling with my wife with understanding and she's like, you have no clue. So ask her. And let her know that you want to give her godly honor that pleases the Lord and expresses great Christian love. And if you're a single guy, you know, particularly a younger guy, you know, thinking of the, of the teenagers in here or uh, even you know, some of the sixth graders and up, you know, understand that the patterns you are establishing right now are crucial, are crucial to, to, to the life that you will have someday. You, know, you might think, well, well, I'm 12 years old. So I can look at junk and act like a moron and you know, someday I'll just put it all aside and I'll grow up. And I'll love my wife, I'll be pure, holy, exclusive, and it'll all just be okay. You know, I've done enough counseling, I've talked to enough guys to tell you that that is absolutely naive and foolish. The patterns you set when you are 12 and 13 years old will dramatically shape the course of the rest of your life how you are able to love your wife exclusively and with Christian love. And so you need to work right now to build those habits. And if you're a parent of a a boy, elementary or teenager, you better be fighting with all that you are worth to protect them and to help them build those habits that will be crucial to their life down the road. Because I've, you know, if you sit in my chair with guys enough, you learn that, that those patterns are vital. So protect your kids. Guard their screens. Let them yell and scream at you. But do it because you love them. And, and, and you know, kids, I understand that you know, if you try and be pure and holy, I mean, people are going to think you're strange. You may not like the sacrifices that God demands. And I remember all the, you know, the raised eyebrows that I got going to public school at times. But, but someday you will not regret it. You will not regret it. And, and, and nothing this world can offer will ever match the joy and the grace that comes with walking in God's will with the smile of God and the nearness of His grace. So, so all of us as men, let's live this command. And young men, If you're not married, build habits today that will sustain you your whole life. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you so much 
for the goodness of your design. Thank you for how you made humanity with men and women joined together in marriage. Lord, you are good. You are so good in all that you have done. And so, Lord, I pray that you would watch over all of us. God, I pray for all, the, all of us men in this room and others who couldn't be here today, that, Lord, we would be faithful to you, that we would walk in holiness and in purity, that we would be driven by sacrificial love. Help us to be strong leaders, not whiny complainers who are lazy and weak and selfish. And God, I pray that you give us strength to honor you and to do your will, to love our wives, to love our children in a way that glorifies you. God, I pray for every other man in this room that, and every other younger man that, that Lord, all of us would, would live in a way that pleases you, that we would have a heart to care for and provide and protect those that you have placed in our lives. And God, help us to honor your design and your will in every opportunity that you give us. God, we thank you so much for the women that you've placed in our lives. We thank you for the, the godly ladies in our, in our church. And Father, help us to honor them well. Help us as parents to be wise and discerning and faithful in the world in which we live. And uh, God, we, we need you. We need your grace. And so help us, Lord, to do your will. In Christ's name, amen.